Disney Deciphered, a podcast helping you save money, time, and stress as you plan your Disney vacation. On today's episode, Leslie gives us first-timer tips for Disneyland, what you need to know, and the best things that you can do before a trip, especially if you haven't planned yet. Check out our similar episode based on Walt Disney World. Final episodes of the podcast on DisneyDeciphered.com, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, or anywhere you find podcasts, and we'd really appreciate it if you could leave us a positive review. Connect with us anytime, DisneyDeciphered at gmail.com, at WDWDeciphered on Twitter, or on our Facebook page, Disney Deciphered. Thanks, and enjoy the show. Hi, I'm Joe from As the Joe Flies. And I'm Leslie from Trips with Tykes. Welcome back to Disney Decipher. So we haven't talked about Disneyland in a while, and as listeners of this podcast know, Leslie is there all the time. Honestly, I've been learning more and more about Disneyland, really am moving it up my list on places to go. And so in a little self-serving way, but also in a way that I think will be useful to listeners, Leslie and I really enjoyed doing the top tips for people planning last-minute trips to Disney World or people who hadn't done research for Disney World. And so I thought we could do the same for Disneyland. And so, Leslie, I'm looking to you, you know, If I want to plan a trip to Disneyland, I want to know kind of what are the things that I need to know, especially if I'm cramming or if I'm last minute or I don't have a lot of time to prepare. So you think you can handle that for me? I definitely think I can handle that. And the good news is, spoiler alert, that Disneyland is the place that does reward crammers more than Disney World. Like, so if you're last minute there, it is definitely not the end of the world. You can definitely still have a super great vacation there because it doesn't require the kind of advanced planning that Disney World does. But it does require some planning, and we're going to get you there. All right, so Leslie has six tips for me and for us. Before we get to that, we do want to thank some of our newest patrons. Subscribe to the podcast at patreon.com slash DisneyDeciphered. Thank you so much to Sarah B. and Brad B. All of our patrons receive bonus content, and uh, we're just really thankful for all of you. It's really great um, to have people supporting the podcast, so thanks so much. If you'd like to support the podcast but don't really have interest in signing up for Patreon, you can always subscribe, leave a review. We love Apple Podcast reviews, and you know if you're buying tickets and decide to buy through Undercover Tourist, you can use our Undercover Tourist link as well. All right, Leslie, hit me up. What's the first tip I need to know if I'm uh, going to Disneyland? All right, the first tip is to figure out transportation from your hotel. And this may seem a little bit of a strange tip because, you know, if you're used to Disney World, you've got all this built-in transportation, but the system is totally, totally different at Disneyland. And, you know, presumably you've booked a hotel. If you're Even if you're planning super last minute, presumably you've already booked a hotel. Maybe you haven't booked the hotel that I would recommend in the first instance. So you need to do some extra planning to sort of make up for, the maybe not booking the perfect hotel in the first place. All right, so let's break this down. It's my understanding that if I am on a on-site Disneyland hotel, which there are only three of them, I should be all set for transportation. I can pretty much walk to any of the parks. Is that part correct? That part is correct. And in fact, if you're saying, I mean, the Grand Californian is right there with a private entrance into Disney California Adventure. The Disneyland Hotel and Paradise Pier are very much walkable, but you could also take the monorail into Tomorrowland. So lots of options, super close. Don't worry about it if you're on site. All right. But if I'm off site, you know, what do I have to worry about? I assume there's probably some kind of shuttle thing I need to know. And, you know, I think some of them are walkable or I don't know, you tell me. Okay. So a lot of them are walkable. In fact, there's a whole section on Harbor Boulevard, sort of across from the pedestrian entrance of Disneyland. Some people call it Hotel Row. All of those hotels on that block are very, very walkable. And even some that are getting closer to the convention center are walkable. So check first 
And I, in fact, I will link to it in the show notes. I have a post about the 15 best walking distance hotels near Disneyland on my blog. And these are ones that are actually walking distance because a lot of the hotels in the Disneyland area will advertise that they're walking distance, but they're not walking distance. If you have a tired seven-year-old who, you know, has done 20,000 steps in the park, they're not at all. So you have to sort of know what is real and what is fiction. All right. So one thing that I've always kind of not been able to envision since I'm so used to Disney World is like so the surrounding area when you're walking to a Disney hotel is it like sidewalks because like I've looked at maps and you know it looks like there's a highway like what is that I-5 right next to it so what is the walking situation I know at Universal I stayed at a hotel once that I could technically walk there but I had to walk across like a highway to get there Uh, this was in Florida so Yeah, I mean, if you're on the other side of I-5, you're not walkable. The areas that are walkable, it's really just a sidewalk that goes, and then there's one crosswalk that crosses right over to where a lot of the buses drop off in front of the Esplanade between the two parks. There's a map, actually, on the blog post, my Walking Distance Hotel blog post, so take a look at that. But, I mean, it's very easy. You're not going to be walking on the side of a highway if you're staying at a true Walking Distance Hotel. All right, got it. Last quick question. If I'm driving, like, let's say I'm staying at my friend's house or something like that, I suppose that wasn't a question. What do I need to think about? So if you're driving the parking lots at Disneyland, you'll usually have to take a uh, shuttle. So you need to allow time for that. There is one parking lot that does have like a sky bridge now that you can walk. It's a little bit of a long walk, but a lot of people with like strollers, for example, who don't want to fold them up will do that. Yeah. So you have to think about the extra time and the extra cost of paying for parking. I mean, Disneyland parking is not cheap. So that's something to, to keep in mind. All right. And then, of course, if you're not walking and you're not driving, then there's a whole lot of things in between. Some hotels have dedicated shuttles. A lot of the hotels that are within the surrounding couple of miles have stops on ART, which is Anaheim Resort Transit, which is just sort of the bus system of that area of Anaheim. And it's fairly inexpensive and also fairly unreliable. So you get what you pay for. A lot of people who have kids of, you know, that are older who don't have to worry about car seats will just take an Uber. It actually drops you off right at that pedestrian entrance at that crosswalk I mentioned that all the walking distance hotels will feed into. So there really are a lot of options, but you've got to figure out what works for the hotel that you're located at and what works for the age of your kids. So this is like, actually, I run a Disneyland with kids Facebook group. This is like the question we get daily from somebody else trying to put these pieces together. All right. Good to know. Let's uh, move on. What is the second tip you have for me? All right. Well, I think we had this tip on our Disney World episode, and it's equally true here for Disneyland. You need to download the Disneyland app. The Disneyland app, just like the Disney World one, really has a little bit of everything all in one place, all on your phone that's going to help make your day easier. There are maps to the park. There are ride wait times. There's mobile ordering for food at counter service restaurants so you don't have to stand in long lines. Your photo pass photos are on there. And you can also make your dining reservations from the Disneyland app. So even if you're planning last minute, Disneyland is much more of a last minute park. And even if you're doing this like the night before your trip, I even suggest you hop on and see what restaurants have potential dining reservations because some of them will still have them the day before or even same day. I mean, not the most popular restaurants, but it's very possible you could score a last minute reservation. So you definitely need the the Disneyland app to just, you're going to need that when you're in the park, but also just to make yourself familiar with the layout of the parks and everything that you're going to need to be doing while you're in them. 
All right, that's pretty good. In terms of the app compared to Disney World, which doesn't work so often, <laughs> how does the Disneyland app work for you? Do you feel like uh, it's pretty good in terms of runtime and stuff like that? It's not down too much? Unfortunately, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but it's pretty equally bad to the one at Disney World. I have a lot of problems with it hanging or timing out or freezing, and I have to force quit it. And this has been especially a problem for people who are trying to get like boarding passes for Rise of the Resistance while that is going on right now. Uh, yeah, it's meant a lot of people missing out on a ride. So it, it, it can be a real problem, but definitely just force quit the app in your phone and try it again. And I do recommend that families who have, you know, more than one adult, both of them get the app just in case one person's phone isn't working and not playing nice. It helps to hedge your bets. They say insanity is repeating the same trials and expecting different results. And it was insane for me to ask that question. I'm sorry, Leslie. Shouldn't have wasted everybody's time. Of course it's bad. Of course. Of course. All right. Let's, uh, let's move on to tip three. What do you got? All right. So if you are planning a very last minute Disneyland vacation, you know, whether it's a few days before or the night before, you really need to think about what park you're going to start at which day. This is especially true, of course, for multi-day vacations where you're park hopping or doing one park one day and another park the other day. And here is the reason. So Disneyland has a different early entry system than Walt Disney World does. They have something called Magic Morning and something called Extra Magic Hour. And this is the source of endless, endless confusion for guests who get it wrong. I mean, I see it every day uh, in talking to, to readers and followers. Magic Morning is early entry into Disneyland Park only on Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday, and it is for anyone with a three-day or longer ticket. So you don't have to be staying on site. As long as you're there for three days or more, you get one magic morning entry into Disneyland Park. Now, Extra Magic Hour is early entry for on-property hotel guests, just like it is at Walt Disney World. And it's the same days as Magic Morning for Disneyland, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, but for Disney California Adventure, it is Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and Sunday. So why am I telling you all of this intricate information, Joe? It's because it radically affects crowd patterns in the morning. If you have Magic Morning or Extra Magic Hour, use it. It's way better than at Disney World. You can get a lot more done because the crowd levels are very low. But if you don't and you're entering the park an hour later behind all those people, then you're going to hit a little bit of a crowd wall. So that's when I recommend that people who don't have it go to the opposite park. So I, I always plan my park strategy around using Magic Morning, Extra Magic Hour, or avoiding it if I don't have it. So you're saying as a mere plebe, not spending $500 a night on a on-site Disneyland hotel, I can still get in there early as long as I buy that three-day ticket? Yes, you can. And this is something that I think a lot of people still don't know. You just have to go for three days. And see, a lot of people at Disneyland don't because they're there for a day trip. Maybe they think, you know, one park each day, you know, a two-day trip is enough. It's not. You definitely should go for three days because if only because you get that extra hour and that extra hour is so huge. And do I have to declare which day I'm going to use it on or is it like just depend on which days my ticket is valid for? You don't have to declare, but you do, you will go through like the magic morning, extra magic hour entrance at the time allotted and it will sort of just count. So Disney IT, I guess, knows they're smart enough for that at least. <laughs> when it comes to counting beans, they know what they're doing. Exactly. Priorities, people. <laughs> okay, tip four. 
All right. Tip four, and this is related, I guess, to tip three, is to arrive early. This is true at Disney World. It's true at Disneyland. The person who's there a half hour or an hour before rope drop is going to get the most done, especially if you're really, truly the first people in the park, you know, not contending with those magic morning or extra magic hour crowds. And this is not necessarily as true at the moment that we're recording this, of course, because they're doing boarding groups for Rise of the Resistance in Disneyland Park, which is making morning crowds much bigger than they usually are. But I fully, fully expect for that to settle down in a few months and things to return to normal and those early morning hours being just totally golden. A lot of people in California, especially the locals, they just can't get there for an 8 a.m. park opening time or for a 7 a.m. extra magic hour or magic morning. Uh, In terms of it going down a few months, Disney World would like a word. Question on like going early and stuff like that. So what I'd ask is what are like kind of the, let's say two rides per park that you would beeline it for? Let's just say in general, since we can't go through like all the different categories of people. So in California Adventure, in Disneyland Resort, what are the two rides you're beelining for if you're there uh, at Rope Drop? Ooh, good question. Let's start with DCA. Everybody beelines for Radiator Springs Racers, and I don't because it actually makes the line kind of long right out of the gate unless you're truly at the front of the rope. And that ride has single rider, which I will use. My husband and I will use that, or my older child will use that. So I skip Radiator Springs Racers. I buck the trend, and I actually go for Toy Story Mania because it's far enough in the back of the park that a lot of people don't want to make the effort, but it will always have a long queue for the rest of the day, and it will run out of fast pass. So I usually go for that in Disney California Adventure. And I guess my second choice might be Soarin', but it has a little bit of a bigger capacity. So not necessary to hit that like instantaneously. So no Guardians of the Galaxy breakout? I'm surprised. No, because that's actually a fast pass that you can get for quite a while throughout the day. So that's one that I'm able to snag. And we'll talk about this in a minute using Max Pass or using regular Fast Pass without working too hard at it. Whoa, whoa. Spoiler alerts. Spoiler. (laughs) What about uh, Disneyland? Okay. So if you're at the very front of the rope, the ride that everybody wants to ride at Disneyland is Peter Pan. But you have to be at the front of the rope. You can't, like, do not pause and park a stroller. You will then find yourself facing a 30-minute line. But that's really the, the way to ride Peter Pan. It's just always, always a favorite. I guess my, if I don't do that, if I'm not right at the front of the rope, then my choice is usually one of the other Fantasyland dark rides because none of those rides in Disney. Disneyland have fast pass. So for me, often it's Alice in Wonderland. If you know I have like a toddler with me, it's often Dumbo. So those are usually the rides that I go for. Got it. Wow, no fast pass for those. Interesting. Okay, tip five. Tip five is to make sure to do a little bit of research about the attractions and the character meet and greets that you think you would like so that you can plan out your day and and prioritize those. And You know, I say that's really important because there's some unique attractions at Disneyland that maybe if you go to Disney World a lot of times that you won't have a chance to ride there. And you probably want to make those a priority, like I mentioned, Radiator Springs Racers. So make sure that's, you know, a ride you want to ride. And if it is, you want to do a little research to understand that, oh my goodness, Fast Passes for that ride might run out before lunchtime. So (laughs) you might want to get a Fast Pass before lunchtime for that ride. So just do a little planning about the must-do attractions and figure out sort of where the choke points are. And then you won't miss your shot to do something that is unique to Disneyland. And there are quite a few things like the Matterhorn, which I find 
terribly painful, but also amazingly nostalgic. A lot of things like that. Indiana Jones. And then, of course, all the other new stuff that's going to be coming to Avengers Campus this summer. Yeah, you got to look up and uh, see Spider-Man flying over you, hopefully. All right. What is your final tip for you know planning a first-time trip to Disneyland Resort? All right. Final tip is totally up your alley, Joe. This is the the hacking part. This is the finding the loopholes and working them. You have to understand Disneyland's version of FastPass. And specifically, you have to understand MaxPass. And I kind of recommend getting it. I know Disney just raised the prices. It's $20 per person per day. This is a way of booking FastPass attractions on your smartphone And this is all a same-day system at Disneyland. It's super egalitarian. No pre-planning, no pre-booking 60 or 30 days in advance like at Disney World. This is like you scan into the park and you start booking Fast Passes on your phone with MaxPass. And if you know what you're doing and you do your research, and I got a post on it, of course, that we'll link to in the show notes, then you can easily, easily squeeze in 15, 20 rides on a normal day at Disneyland if you are ready to work it. And I know you're ready to work it, Joe. Yes. Call me Missy Elliott. Really quickly, I wanted to compare prices. A three-day park hopper at Disneyland is around $365 before tax, whereas a three-day park hopper at whereas a three-day park hopper at Disney World is running you like $440. So when you're saying add the $20 for MaxPass, to me, that still keeps me at cheaper than it would be at Walt Disney World. And I think, if I'm not mistaken, you can get a lot more done at Disneyland just because like if I'm park hopping at Disney World, I got to take bus to bus. Even if I take minivan, there's travel time. But at Disneyland, you know, it seems like it's pretty easy to get between the parks. So I don't know, $20 for MaxPass? I bet you they'll raise the price again because it still seems a little bit underpriced because I have a lot of like normie friends who have used it non-Disneyland people and they've used MaxPass and they swear by it. So I don't know. Yeah. Maybe I should give Disney ideas. I know. I said, well, I recorded this on another podcast when it was back when it was 15. And I was like, well, I'd pay 20. And then next week it went up to 20. So don't jinx it, Joe. (laughs) But yeah. Thanks for nothing, Leslie. (laughs) But yeah, it's, it's really vital. I mean, maybe not for people who have babies and toddlers who won't do all the thrill rides, but I would say even once my son was like three or four, it became incredibly vital to our touring strategy. I will not go to Disneyland without it. I just won't. Not worth my, it's not worth the other, you know, 300 some odd dollars that I'm spending fighting the crowds. I hear that. One last question since we have like maybe one extra minute. I was surprised to hear that Fantasyland rides like Dumbo don't have fast pass. For people with babies and toddlers, do you feel like that changes the strategy? Or like, are there rides that if I'm coming over from Disney World, I would expect to have Fast Pass like Dumbo, Small World, those kinds of things, even Peter Pan that aren't going to have it at Disneyland? Well, Small World does have it. So don't worry about that. Yet there are enough rides for babies and toddlers that either do have Fast Pass or that don't need it that make it okay. Like, for example, um, Winnie the Pooh, which is way in the very back of Critter Country, and its its location is so remote that the line never gets long. I mean, it's usually five or ten minutes tops. So we usually hit Fantasyland hard in the morning with young kids during that magic morning or, you know, at Rope Drop and try to get those, you know, Dumbos and Alice's and Wonderlands in. And then we go to the other rides. Like the carousel often doesn't have a very long line. And there, there's enough that you can fit in during the rest of the day or you just switch to shows during the peak times. Got it. All right. Um, let's end with a Disneyland do or don't. My Disneyland don't is to not forget about 
single rider lines at Disneyland. And this is something, they aren't as common at Disney World, so I think a lot of people don't seek them out at Disneyland, thinking that maybe that's not as available, but they are. Um, And in fact, a couple of rides kind of have secret single rider lines, like Space Mountain can at Disneyland. And then there's some rides that they only open single rider once the regular wait gets long enough, like uh, Goofy Sky School or Indiana Jones. So make sure you check the Disneyland website in advance, figure out what rides have single rider and which ones do under certain circumstances, because that's a huge part of my touring strategy, especially if you have little ones and you're going to be using rider switch anyway, just use single rider. All right. That's a great tip. And yeah, I think you make a great point. There are not a ton of single rider lines at Disney World. So I think that's something I would have to get used to. All right. Well, I am becoming further and further convinced that I need to check out Disneyland, so I really appreciate these tips. If you have been to Disneyland and you have tips for first-timers or tips for people who haven't been there before, we'd love to hear them. You can connect with us, DisneyDecipher at gmail.com. As we said, you can find old episodes on Apple Podcasts or anywhere you find podcasts, and we really appreciate positive reviews. Other than that, thanks so much for listening, everyone. And Leslie, I will see you in Critter Country. Thanks, Joe. Bye.